<laughs> Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are watching Riverdale. And Riverdale is doing what Riverdale does. I can't comprehend what this season is going to be. What well what this episode was. Like how they decided this is how things would happen. There's a lot of weird motivations and <laughs> and characters who make zero sense. Well, it it really does feel like the creators of the show just wanted they wanted to hit, they wanted some like a specific image to happen, a specific thing to happen, but didn't realize quite know how to get there. So they just kind of went there anyways. And we really went some places. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we're starting to go through all those trailer scenes, and as I suspected, mm-hmm. they are all appearing in, like, the first four episodes. The only one we've missed so far that I distinctly remember is yeah. the one of Veronica going, so what, you're going to be a superhero now? Or something along those lines. But I think that might be next episode. Well, I mean, based on things that happened this episode. <laughs> you think yeah, it'll be maybe. as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I just, I have no idea where this season is going. Yeah, yeah. I have no I I I have no like tails to hold on to. Yeah, it it's it still bugs me that like the show got four seasons. Like it it is like watching a train wreck. Whereas shows like Life in Pieces who set stuff up last season <laughs> are not going to get to tell it this season. Yeah, not getting renewed cuz they are canceled. <laughs> or happy endings. You could have gone with that, like, general idea yeah. for so long. Yeah. It's it's the sort of unfortunate thing. I've, sort of, I've talked about this before when I talk about, like, any sort of uh, piece of media where I'm like, I don't think this will be good. I don't think I like this. But I don't feel like I can talk, on a, talk about it unless if I see it. But by seeing it, that's just engagement. Like it's the idea is that when we're talking about media in a in a time where engagement is the only thing that matters, it doesn't matter if you watch something and hated it. All like executives and all people see is engagement. But here's the thing: if Riverdale didn't exist, would we have a job? I mean, we'd find a different thing. Remember, this entire thing started because you said you wanted to do a podcast together, and I just said Riverdale. <laughs> we could just do. We could just keep doing the OC. I I will say that there is a certain someone who listens to the show who was like, "When are you going back to OC?" Because I understand those, <laughs> and I'm like, I also understand OC. But the OC only has one season left, one yeah. season and four episodes, yeah, and then there's One Tree Hill. Oh, and we have ten seasons of that. <laughs> is that ten seasons? Nine, nine or ten? Is that nine? Se- there, Aaron, there's no number you could say that I would not go. <laughs> <laughs> is that that many seasons? One of them short because one of them took place during the writer's strike. Oh, that's always a fun season to see. Where they like <laughs> tried real hard with thirteen episodes. I love watching shows on Netflix where you hit that, or like I mean, not Netflix, but any show when you're watching them and they hit the writer's strike year, and you're like, this year got weird. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's the writer's strike year. I remember this. Why is this season short and unrelated? Oh, writer's <laughs> oh, strike. Naturally, naturally. <laughs> I now. Well, it is not a writer's strike. It's a writer's fiasco, I guess. The writers are living their best life making chaos. Right, because this is Riverdale Season 4, Episode 3, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. Wait, what? Why is that the title of this episode? Well, see, Dog Day Afternoon is a film. I believe it's a crime film. There's no crime in this episode. Yep. I mean, not in the most <laughs> traditional sense. 
<laughs> There's one crime, and that, it's annoying. That is the. If, isn't Dog Day Afternoon an Al Pacino movie? Maybe. I mean, at this point, I I just have just bugged the camera with Dog Day Afternoon is. I think I might be confusing it with Heat, uh, because there was a time where there's a lot of those. Both are titles that seem like it'd be a hot afternoon, <laughs> hot time in summer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Dog Day Afternoon is an Al Pacino is when he, he is one of his bank robbery movies. Um, I guess there's sort of a robbery in this episode. Well, I mean, it's this it, is connected in the way any Riverdale title is connected to any Riverdale episode. Yeah, the the if if I'm, if Dog Day Afternoon is coming back to me, it's the one where like he tries to rob a bank and it goes wrong and it becomes a hostage situation. So I think the oh, concept hostages is that, but the entire point of Dog Day Afternoon is that he tries to do one thing, it fails, and it just the idea is that things get worse and worse and worse. This episode doesn't get worse and worse. I mean, I guess it kind of does, but only once. Well, some things sort of snowball. Things snowball for Cheryl. Things snowball for. Betty, yeah, think snowball for Jughead. I don't really know. I I think the main thing we're going to do is, as as per usual, we're they confused. Just, they just pick the title. In this case, this it, it appears as though this season's theme is titles of movies, cool. which they do occasionally. In fact, a lot of times they do titles of movies. Not everyone has been a title of a movie. Some have been songs. Have been songs. Anyway, we we gotta keep we gotta move on. So let's right at the beginning, right at the beginning of this episode, we start at the boxing ring. And Monroe comes storming in. He's fighting with his brother because he does not want his brother to go to the arcade because the arcade <laughs> is where the drugs is. Yeah, it turns out when he says I don't want to go to the arcade, it's not because you know he's hang- spending all his quarters of the arcade. Is because the arcade, much like anything that is for children in Riverdale, is actually a code for a drug place. So Riverdale, just getting worse and worse. They shouldn't have broken up the serpents. The serpents were the good gang. Yeah, that's really what it seems like. I like how every, like, they began in season one by being like, oh, Riverdale, it's a town that seems perfectly nice and great. And then as we learn more and more, like, this has always just been like a crime rid. You have, like, Four gangs, and you're, and the gang that they focused the most on was the least gang. Which is why they really should have just let the serpents do what they wanted. They just did community outreach, and clearly, their them existing caused the other gangs to be like l- lower. Well, I guess now there's a power struggle. Yes, uh, we do see the arcade later, and it's weird because it, so it's, it looks like it is an arcade, except for it's, like in a parking garage. And a uh, hot take. Kids shouldn't hang out in parking garages. Well, I'm. Uh, it made me unclear if this was like the arcade is a front or if. Or is the arcade <laughs> in a mall and the entrance, like, you know how West Ed Maybe. has those massive parking structures and we'll, sometimes get into the mall from look, them? Look, we'll get to the arcade of the child gang that, that is involved in it. But first, Monroe comes up to Archie and throws some real shade and guilt <laughs> in his direction, being like, I thought we were doing a community center. I mean, to be fair, Archie's been saying that now for like half a year and archie says well yeah we were but i got real sad <laughs> remember when i was sad monroe's like children really need help like i understand that you're sad but you said you would help people and uh the poors in this town <laughs> myself included need help yeah i am a man boy and i need help i need both man help and boy help and archie's like mm-hmm, time for help to come but first Jughead moves into his room at school, and it's an insane room with two single beds and one bunk bed. I am increased as this episode goes on. I'm increasingly unclear at where Stonewall is because it's maybe not in Riverdale, but also very in also very easy driving distance. So maybe an hour, 
Who knows? It's a cute scene. Yeah. Um, you know, he's there with Betty and his dad and his sister. His dad and his sister go off to get some triple bubble. And at this point, I don't even care. And uh, Jughead reassures Betty that they are in love and everything's going to be A-OK. I, I do want to spend a moment there just to mention that. It took me four seasons to be like, yeah, I get it. Your idea is that everything here is just a little bit to the left. I Which get it. Which is what the Archie comics are like. This I, is the one canon thing. I know. But, like, once again, the problem... The problem is it's insane when you hear someone vocally it, say it. It's a little bit insane when you, someone says it vocally. But also, there's a few times where they, like, don't... Like, the, the world they set up doesn't feel like that fits in it. <laughs> it's because it's not this world. It's the seventh dimension. Yeah. The multiverse. Yeah, they're, uh, they just chose a different path. And speaking of choosing a different path, Veronica. Who made a sweeping proclamation last episode is now unsure if she wants to change her name. <laughs> Man, what if my family isn't bad? <laughs> the amount of times that Veronica goes, I hate my family, but... And Archie responds to this in the only way you can, which is to go... I'm trying to make a community center. Would you like to have sex? <laughs> Actually, like he's like, I don't want to be meet with my be late for my meeting with with uh, Miss West. And Veronica's like, sex first, and he's like, I could be late for my meeting. <laughs> Teens in charge. Now we will see this meeting, but first, something very, very important has to happen. Jughead's hanging out in his bedroom at his new school, and in walks his new roommate, Moose. It's Moose. Except for now, he's Marmaduke, a much less silly name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's from the comics, but really? <laughs> he didn't decide to go by Duke? Duke is a cool name for a football player. <laughs> Which, by the way, Stonewall has a football team. Yeah, apparently that's the reason he's in Stonewall, is he's being on the football team. Which makes even less sense why Reggie isn't there. And he just needed a new start. I'm just saying that if I met somebody in 2019 whose name was Marmaduke, my only thought would be, like the dog, like the dog, like the dog. And isn't it, oh, Dog Day Afternoon. No. But isn't it reasonable <laughs> that he could go by Duke? Like, Duke seems like a reasonable name for a football player at a fancy school. No, I understand that. We should really stop writing on the name Marmaduke. If your name is Marmaduke, I'm sorry. Because... But you should choose a nickname. Yes. And unless if you are, like, a, a 60- or 70-year-old man, then you can be called Marmaduke. But if you are, like, a 21-year-old man who's called Marmaduke, then your parents... Hate you. Hate you. <laughs> I mean... We have some good family names in our family. We also have some bad ones. And our grandpa's name is Garfield. But did he go by Garfield? No. He went by Gar. Because that was an appropriate name for a man born in the 1920s. Yep. <laughs> also, he was born in the 1920s. Garfield the cat wasn't around in the 19... Like, he, he predated Garfield the cat. If you predate Marmaduke... The thing. Though I, is, is Marmaduke a real person's name? We can't get into this right now. The per, the point is that his whole thing of Stonewall is that he hopes it'll be a new start. Because after his dad got arrested for impersonating the Gargoyle King, which is what he was not arrested for. Nope, he was arrested for trying to kill him and his boyfriend. And I, I and do... forcing child scouts <laughs> to do the same. Yeah, I... Was he trying to kill them, or was he just... The do, cadets. Yeah, was it, or was his... He was trying to spook them so yeah. they wouldn't be gay. He was trying to make them think... Yeah, he was trying to scare them straight. Uh, and that's why he was arrested. And that's why he was arrested, Moose. It just when saying impersonating the gargoyle makes it think, like, that is illegal. Like, oh, man, if you impersonate the gargoyle <laughs> king, we, we will arrest you. It's, not, it's like impersonating a federal officer, which is what Betty is doing. But we'll get there. Yeah. 
And then Brent comes in and he continues to be a creep. There is Brent, not Brett. Yeah, I wrote Brett and then later I wrote Brent. I'm pretty sure it's Brent. I wrote Brett and then later you said Brent out loud. So I changed it to Brent, assuming you're correct. Either way, he has a douchey white boy he name. He looks more like a Brett than a Brent. Brent is a real, like, p- private school name, though. That's true. We should stop making fun of people's names. Uh, hey, that one wasn't making fun of. That one was that one was ascribing characteristics to names, which isn't any better. But, but... not as bad. <laughs> and also is a different thing. <laughs> anyway, we're calling him Brent. I'm pretty sure that's his name. All right. Uh, well, very clearly, Moose does not want Marmaduke. I'm sorry. Marmaduke does not want Brent, Brett, Brent to... He he specifically says, oh, don't let Brent know specifically. Because Brent, creep. Yeah. Real creep. Also their roommate. Is he a third roommate? Yeah, they all live together. If Oh, I thought it was only two. There were two. four beds in that room. Oh, so there's the mysterious fourth roommate. Yeah, and two of them are bunk beds and two of them are single beds. Why is it set up like this? Uh, maybe Brent didn't want a bunk bed. Maybe. And he had pulled to change it to two singles. Because we'll find out he is a diplomat's son. Well, let's head back over to Archie and uh, Monroe. Archie and Monroe present their plan to Molly Ringwald and also some lady. <laughs> that has, That's Miss Weiss. That has to be Miss Weiss. It's not some, some lady. Also, and I don't know why Molly Ringwald is there. We don't know what Miss Weiss's well, job. No. Is she the social worker? No, I think... No, no. No, I think she's just like a... Like some sort of registrant, some someone who's like in charge of Businesses. zoning, or just just someone who's like, what do you call it? Uh, Maybe she just works for the city government. I, I think she's consulting because what she says is like, hey, this is going to be difficult because you have to get this place like up to code, and someone has to like be here during the daytime for the children. Yeah. I th- also, Archie, you realize it's a lot of work to be here every night until ten p.m. Yeah, I imagine what it is is that Molly Ringwald Andrews essentially called her in. To be like, Archie, running a business is hard when you're 17. And then also, like, uh, like essentially she's a different form of, form of lawyer. She's a non-profit lawyer, effectively. And she also points out that they need to get a second bathroom. And Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, ooh, that's going to be expensive. <laughs> Which is true. But Archie's like, no, we are going to do it. We'll find a way. I have spirit. Yes, I do. And now what will continue to be very obviously a very different show and it's so so much so that I I kind of think we have to put in music like different music every single time we come to this episode this part of the we need some FBI thing. music it needs to be like yes power chords yeah all right so it's Betty and Charles they're at the FBI office and Charles gives Betty the rundown on the new farm location turns out that every day at the same time they have numerous pizzas delivered because they live in an abandoned hotel and <laughs> how else are they going to eat. Yep. And Evelyn, she always takes those pizzas. So this time, they sent one of their FBI guys in with the pizzas. Ah, but turns out, they get it's the same pizza guy every single time. So Evelyn full stop shoots the man. So they kill him. And maybe we're supposed to believe that, like, oh, they recognize that this is is an agent. But I don't think that's the case. Edgar does very swiftly find the wire, but I assume if you shoot someone, you, like, reveal the Yeah, I assume at that point they, they figured them. it out. And as we learn more about the farm throughout this, we'll learn that there's no way that they are clever enough to do that. They just shot a guy because he wasn't the regular pizza guy. So I feel bad when the regular pizza guy has a day off. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. I feel bad for whoever's covering for him. I feel bad for his manager, who's like, oh, shit, Brent called in sick today. 
Oh, <laughs> Brett called in sick today. <laughs> That's right. Brent is too wealthy to have a job. Yes, this is Brett. Uh, but yeah, so Edgar talks to Charles and threatens him. Because Edgar knows that Charles specifically is the FBI agent who's listening to this. Now, to be fair, he does say, echo, echo, it's Charlie. But when he says Charlie, that's just to stand for C. Because inconveniently, in military speak, Charlie stands for C. Yeah. But Charlie is also a nickname for Charles. Yeah. 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 Uh, Let's head over to Cheryl and Tony, who Who are... are Trying to have sex. Trying desperately to do some sex or making out or... Something. Something. However they sleep. I don't know. But they can't because there's scratchy noises and moaning about. (laughs) Which they attribute to Nana Rose, which is... (laughs) Weirdly cruel to in my head. Very troubling. It's good to know Nana Rose is still around. The, Less good to know she's looking after those babies during the daytime while they're at school, which Tony does not like. She is a hundred and four. That does something also. Which, what that remember? What I said in the premiere. I don't know why Tony's holding on to a random baby. That was one of the twins. Yes, that just makes sense. I kind of forgot about the in twins. Regis- I I didn't realize that they were living with Cheryl and Tony well, and Nana Rose. Where else are they going to live? <laughs> Betty lives nowhere. How is Nana Rose? How does Nana Rose count as like? She's the only Blossom slash Cooper adult left in that city. But but didn't like until Penelope essentially leave, which was not long ago. She was essentially completely out of it because because Pen- Nana was or Penelope. Penelope was drugging her, so I don't think she technically has like. It's hard. It, it's hard to explain. Like, but I, when there's only one adult left, <laughs> the government's got to put those babies somewhere. You're in charge now. Yeah, this is not good. It, it does feel like this town is just like that social worker essentially decided this is far too much. Look, I'm gonna start over here with Marmaduke. And then I'll eventually work my way over to Cheryl. At least she has money? I mean, Cheryl may have also just thrown money at her and shouted at her until she left. Because if there's one thing we've learned from this episode, that's how Cheryl takes care of business. Well, probably what she did is she threw money at her, then said some really weird, like, metaphors and similes until she just went, You know what? (laughs) There's an adult in this house. I don't even know where Betty Cooper lives right now. Veronica is being looked after by a man named Smithers. I got an, I got other stuff to deal with. So. There are so many kids in this town T- without parents. Tell you what, I'll circle back around to you. Get it together, Cheryl. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be back in like, oh God, six, eight months. There's so many kids. Now, they do hear more stuff because they, Nana Rose starts screaming. Yeah, they hear a scream, which is clearly a Nana Rose. So they go running on out, and Nana Rose is just kind of hanging out by the fire, screaming. Which is lit, so... Someone lit that fire. And she's standing, so that's good. <laughs> I don't think Nana Rose did. And uh, Nana Rose thinks that Cheryl is Penelope, which is reasonable because we know what Penel- Penelope looked like when she was 17. Yeah. And she says to Cheryl, Penelope, I had a dream that the triplets were burning in the fire. And I shouted, aha, I knew they had another twin. No, that's not another twin, Aaron. <laughs> it's triplets. And they have repeatedly said Twins run in the family. So what does this mean, Kevin? No, I no, I agree there is a triplet, but I do not I do not agree with the idea that this makes sense because they say twins run the family. If they say twins run the family, and all of a sudden there's a triplet, that is not a twin. <laughs> well, I know. But I just knew there had to be another one of them running around somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's, maybe it's Chick. 
<laughs> Maybe it's Chick. I want Chick to slowly make his way through every family thinking that they're related to him, and they never are. <laughs> He's just a man that Betty found once. Who killed some guy named Charles Smith. <laughs> who is also supposed to be 35, because we did that math that one time. Well, okay, but real Charles, yeah, is thirty five. I'd say, yeah, he but, seems the appropriate age. Yeah, I think they just messed up with Chick. <laughs> I think they're just like he's they, probably thirty five. They made FP fifty, and then they're like, oh no, gotta gotta cast new Charles properly. Yeah, well, they make many terrible mistakes. Uh, speaking of making terrible mistakes, Veronica wants to loan Archie the money for the center, and Archie says, "No, my pride." I'll make it myself some way with a charity concert. Th- yeah, th- which well, is a great well, idea. I think. Um, I think. I think Kevin. I think the Kevin says charity offered. Uh, uh, charity concert. Betty says bake sale. Which Monroe? I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or not, but like <laughs> with she the seems bake into sale. It. Uh, but no, of course, Veronica comes in with her own. Better idea. idea. Like a bake sale, but better. And it's a sexy car wash starring men. It's a sexy boy car wash. And at the end, so we get a prolonged scene of just like shirtless boys and Veronica. It seems very clear that Veronica just wanted to dance with a bunch of shirtless boys. But they don't let Kevin be shirtless, which I was curious about. We've seen him shirtless before. He's... You know what I remembered, though? Yeah. He has a missing kidney. Oh, that's true. He does have a giant scar. Yeah. I mean, so, no longer so does Archie. Archie has the bear but scar. He has a sexy bear scar. He also was branded. That's under his sweatpants. Under we his talked sweatpants. about this. Yes, of course. Uh, so, that, so they do that whole, the whole sexy uh, car wash, and it turns out it was all pointless because it only raised them $400. $400. Which is pretty good for a day's work. That's pretty good. Now, apparently they need, like... $40,000 or something. Yeah, so they're not close. They're not close. Uh, now, Veronica, not to be heated by good taste or anything like that. Would like to do a magic mic night. Yeah, she's like, well, we could do a magic mic night instead. And then she adds, you guys could go full Monty. And then I screamed at the TV, they're 16. Well, this for, is so illegal. Except for Monroe. He could do that. He is a man. I guess they're probably all 17 by now. But that's still illegal, it's Aaron. Still illegal. It doesn't matter if it's by one month or one year. That's still, that is still child porn that she is. And also, that is so creepy. Like, Veronica is so creepy in this scene. Like, imagine if instead of Veronica doing this, this was like Reggie doing it. To like, 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 oh, like Betty Veronica and Veronica, you better Betty. strip. Yeah, like it is, it is outwardly creepy for her to, to just essentially be constantly trying to get all her friends naked. Accurate. Although I would like to point out, I think all the characters are tr- are going to turn eighteen this season. Well, then, then so eventually we have to call them men and women, mm, not boys no, and girls. I mean, Monroe is a boy man, but soon they'll all be boy men. Yeah, anyway, knows. moving forward, here's a weird scene. At the school, Betty's phone rings. She thinks it's her mom, but it's not. It's Edgar. He knows that Alice is the mole, and he has a list of demands, which are... Wait, is this where he reveals how he also got the mole? He's been cutting off people's fingers. Oh, yes. That's right. He does reveal that. (laughs) He reveals that he's just been going around cutting off random people's fingers until one of them says they're the the mole. And I think Alice finally (laughs) just told him to make it stop. I would like to believe that because Alice is not missing a finger, which means she she did not wait that long. No, she was like, oh, no. Oh, no. So Edgar would like, hmm, 
$250,000. Mm-hmm. Passports for everyone in the farm. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure a lot of them have passports. They, Not I important. thought it was supposed to be fake passports, but... But when we find out what the eventual plan is, they don't need fake passports. Yeah, yeah, so they need fake passports. Food. Food. Water. Mm-hmm. A bus. Mm-hmm. And he called her because he trusts her, not Charles, to actually get things done. Also, I thought someone was creepy watching her from inside a classroom. But nothing <laughs> came just, to I, pass with no, that. No, I think that... I, I, I also, when you said that, I had no idea what you're talking about. I think that was just an extra. No, it was a camera shot. Oh, from inside the classroom? Yeah. Oh, no, that was just them doing something stylistic from, like, a movie or something. Well, it made me think that something was going on. And now I'm disappointed. I didn't. I I just thought they just did a fun. They did, did like a like when they're like shots. Like oh, it's a cool shot. Bad work, Riverdale. Yeah, no. It's it, it, you can't do a cool shot if there's no reason for it. That does give you the idea that someone's watching her. You're absolutely correct. Maybe they wanted the feeling of someone watching her, but that it's not. Oh, I mean, though, if you count the thing at the end, depending on who that's maybe to. someone was watching her. Ooh. Like the time that someone took pictures of Archie and Veronica kissing. And something came of that. Who, wait, who was that? I don't know. I don't remember. What? Who? It did happen, though. Wait. What? Wait. Yes. What, <laughs> what happened with that? I don't remember, but someone definitely took paparazzi shots of them. No, you're correct. This was also, like, seasons ago. I know. Oh, okay. Uh. So, we're going to move forward with the story. Jughead, I thought, was in a seminar where they wrote read books but it's also a writing group with the same people i don't know no, that that, that may, well no the, the 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 salon thing which is a one-time salon to talk about moby dick the, the he he's in class like classes oh so like this is not that same salon this is a class this is a very remember how they said dead poet society it's very dead poet society in the fact that like there's eight kids in this class, and they sit in a circle and read their stories. Also, none of it is not like the class isn't in, in a classroom they're all sitting in a circle and they're as I said, there's like there's like six of them, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no real structure to it. It's just sort of whatever this clearly tenured Sam Witwer decides to do that in that moment. And I like how all the students, like, sass him, but not right now. Well, that's how you know that they're all geniuses, I guess. Yeah, they have no respect. So it's, it, yeah, they've all written short stories. And Brent, Brent has just finished reading his out. And everyone sucks up to him. And then he's like, Forsyth, what did you think? <laughs> and he's like, that was good. And he's like, ah, oh. Forsyth, like... I don't like you know. Don't hold back. back. Give me I can handle criticism. criticism. Then Chuck uh, uh, is very fair and not like a gret. Just like I thought it was very, very like like uh, essentially a what do you call it? Uh, he says it wasn't to my taste. It was a very um oh Salinger light. Yeah, he he, he said it felt not a rip off. It's not the term that he used, but it was a very like he he was being very non confrontational. And then Brent essentially comes back with a hey f- you man. <laughs> So he insists to Jughead <laughs> that his story was lame and puerile, and then he goes pulp. That's right. And Jughead's like, "Yeah, I pulp. was writing pulp. That was the point." And I'm like, "So really, this is, <laughs> now this is just a, a battle between like genre and literary." And then he goes back with, "Well, I couldn't understand his story because I'm not a poor." <laughs> the, the speed that Brent went from in the last episode being like. Like, oh, man, I'm so excited for you to be here. And, like, you know, you're going to come here from where you're coming from. It's going to be so great. Do, like, Jughead being like, 
I didn't like your story. And Brett being like, oh, you go to hell. Did you know your dad was in a gang? Did you know your sister sells drugs? <laughs> well, yeah, he gets into that later. Um, sorry, this reminded me of, oh, man, someone on Twitter uh, made a very uh, interesting post that essentially just said all genre fiction is fascist. Ah, uh, yes. And that kind of was what made me think of this. Is like <laughs> just someone just deciding to go from zero to a million well, like, I'm sorry, and I know the show is making this point, but it's not a great look to be a very, very wealthy person and say, I can't identify with your story because I'm not a poor. <laughs> I mean, he, he, here's the thing. He's he, all he, he just wants to be like mean. Well, he wants to be he, if, if he just wants to be uh, one of those like literary writers who like doesn't get it. That is a type of person who's a very successful literary writer. But like the point of literature and the point of a of stories is to expose ourselves to many viewpoints. Um, who's who's that right? Who's that literary writer? There's another writer who came out who who essentially like he wrote a science fiction book. It was like, but this isn't like the science fiction book of those people who only write things about, like anti grav boots and going like faster than the speed of light. This is a this is not a this is a science fiction book for that for smart people like the you you and I have oh, nothing I, ag- I I know this is <laughs> a look. This is a thing, but it's. Not a good look. No, no. He, I, as I said, he's going to write, if he can't, he's on. He's, he's going to write Catcher in the Rye he's seven gonna, times over. He's going to write one story that'll become very, very successful. He's going to write a few ones that are just very middling, and everyone's going to keep referring to that one. And maybe he's going to write some F. Scott Fitzgerald-esque stuff. Yeah, and then, then he's going to get real up on heroin and die at, like, 40. Or in a fire like Zelda Fitzgerald did. Yeah. Well, let's head back and see what's going on with Cheryl. Man, all, none of these stories are connected, by the way. No one talks to each no other. No one interacts. So it's Cheryl and Tony, who I guess don't go to school anymore. And Tony is tired of the chaos of their household, so she hired Darius, who is a large, handsome night nurse. And I assume she told him to dress in red. Oh, she understood. She was like, if you come in blue scrubs, Cheryl won't accept you. She's probably not going to like you anyway, but we're going to try. With red scrubs, you have a chance. You have a chance, Darius. Well, and- Cheryl... Is does not like him. She's giving him a chance. But I assume because he's wearing red. But he's not allowed in the basement. So she's like, don't go to the basement. Especially don't go to the chapel. Don't go to the chapel. And it's infuriating to me that Tony, who's supposed to be like this, like she always portrayed as being like smart and independent, and that is so ineffective to be like, yes, I understand. This does not seem odd to me at all. She was in a cult. <laughs> I mean, I was also in the cult, but <laughs> it's just Man. I know. It's infuriating. It's infuriating how much they have kind of destroyed Tony's character and just made her a sexy lamp. <laughs> yeah, you could replace her with a sexy lamp. They sexy lamped her. Although a sexy lamp cannot hire Darius. <laughs> it could have been fell on the telephone. It fell on the telephone, hit a few buttons, and then someone was like, hello? 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 They heard Nana Rose in the background. Ah, I understand. They're like, ah, that old lady needs help. So, uh, back at the school, because, again, nothing is connected, yeah. Moose has Donna in the room. Yeah, Jacob goes to the room, he opens it up, and there's Moose and Donna making out. He ignored the tie on the door. I'm going to say right now that there are two purposes for this scene. One purpose is for Donna to oddly remo- let Jughead know, hey, don't mess with Brent. He's real powerful. I'm not ashamed of anything I do, <laughs> but Brent... I might be a character. There's no way to tell it this. Oh, by the way, Donna's just Donna is one of the two women in the in the class in the class. Um, 
but uh, Brent, he's going to do a psychological hit on you. <laughs> this seems unprompted. And then the second reason is to clarify that Marmaduke is bisexual. And to explain to Jughead what bisexuality is. I mean, he gets what it is. <laughs> but it never crossed his mind before. I think he he was also just clarifying. He's like, though, though he should be like... Moose did love Midge Moose very much. Moose did love Midge. <laughs> I guess just he just had, we. I guess the audience had to clarify it that, it that like his Midge thing wasn't a whole. Yeah, it was real. Yeah, it, it was, was real. Not a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh wait, this is also where that Brent is the son of a diplomat. Yes, he's a what do they call him? A, Diplo. D- Diplo. He's Diplo. He's Diplo. Brent is Diplo. <laughs> you know the DJ. Yeah, the DJ Diplo. <laughs> <laughs> I need to warn you something. Brent is Diplo. <laughs> And me, I'm Dead Mouse. We're gonna come at you with those mad beats. <laughs> and that other guy in the in the class, yeah, he's Skrillex. <laughs> um. Also, sometimes the uh... <laughs> I don't know where you go with this joke. <laughs> I've forgotten the name of the band. I was gonna say the Coldplay. <laughs> what band are you trying to refer to? The the probably was, and also our our teacher, he's a Vici. I understand that he died, but he is a Vici. You know ghosts. They live in Riverdale. It's true. Ghosts do live in Riverdale. He's also Sam Whitwer. <laughs> He's also Darth Maul. Charles reports to Betty that the FBI won't negotiate with terrorists. Which is true. That's how they do it. But he needs Betty to buy them some time with Edgar. Which is great, but the most important thing about the scene, Aaron, is that there are other agents there. Yeah. There it's... are at least a minimum of two other FBI agents. One a black man, one a woman. <laughs> So he can get all the diversities in this group. <laughs> this is like a whole other TV show. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just working there. And I'm like, why are there other people there? Well, Betty gets a call. And uh, Edgar's on the phone and Charles tells Betty to buy them some time with Edgar. <laughs> My favorite thing that Betty does. Like, so she answers it. And Charles like, don't let him know we're here. She uh, puts it on speaker. So she puts it on speakerphone, and then when, after Edgar asks a question, all she does is hold it behind her. She moves it about three feet, and then Edgar loudly stage whispers to her. <laughs> then she picks it up, and, oh my god, Edgar already knows she's working with the FBI. <laughs> she didn't even do, like, like the no, put it No, he even tried. He didn't even whisper in her ear. <laughs> she didn't even put it to her chest like that also. That would work better than just it holding it. Some. It's on speakerphone. That's, it's, that's about how far away people usually are when it's on speakerphone. It's insane. <sighs> so she tells him that he needs to act in good faith and release a host- hostage. And he's like, ha ha. You're working with the FBI. I already did it because I know what you think, Betty. And I thought this meant that he was like, essentially, there's going to be a dead body somewhere. And he does explain to Betty that she shouldn't be working with people who don't share her interests, which I think is something to make Betty concerned in the future. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, I think a part of it is to make Betty, like... Not trust Charles. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, uh, we were wrong about who the, uh, who the hostage is. Which is going to be a dead body. It's Polly! Wearing a bomb vest. Oh, yes, she she has a bomb vest strapped to her. And... <laughs> because in- of the situ- because of I guess someone just making an assumption, Betty has to disarm that bomb vest. Well, Charles stands behind her and whispers how to do it. Will Will Charles and the two other FBI agents stand behind this seventeen-year-old girl? They let her cut the wire. They also tell her that she needs to do something with the kill switch. Yeah, well, so so she has a dead man switch and a timer. Um. I don't know how she got up to this FBI office. 
whatever, that doesn't matter. She was wearing a poncho over top of her bomb vest, duh. <laughs> you can see the light through it. <laughs> this is Riverdale. I know. I, so that's why I said, don't worry about that. But so the way that Betty essentially disarms it is that she sticks a pin, like her bobby pin into the Dead Man switch to keep it depressed. Which works. But that does, I don't know how that stops the timer, but whatever. It was a delayed response to the snipping she did. She did snip it, it just went faster because, uh, of course, there's a, there's a. That's how electronics work. Oh, I mean, yeah. He, it could have been. He, he, he says it was a trip wire. So essentially it was a fake wire that you cut that essentially just made it go faster, I guess. But once again, if you wanted the bomb to go off, which I don't think, he, which he didn't. He didn't want the bomb to go off. No, because he wanted to complete his plan. So I'm imagining that that bomb might have also just been set to stop at two seconds. And Betty did nothing. <laughs> and Betty did nothing. That's the only thing I can imagine. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, this week, what made you happy? What made me happy this week? On Friday, our brother went to a beer fest with our dad. That's true. And he was texting me during it, being like, I just tried this. I just tried this. And then at the end of the event, he sent me a text that said, I bought pumpkin cider for you to have on Sunday. <laughs> and I didn't really understand that, but I had the pumpkin cider today. Is it pumpkin spice or pumpkin cider? Pumpkin. Pumpkin cider. It is a limited release, release craft cider, and it says nothing about spice. I mean, that that it probably is just the taste of pumpkin, which, as we all remember, mm. is well, nothing. The only ingredients are fermented apple juice, natural flavors and spices, malic acid, and sulfite. So it's pumpkin spice. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's no... I guess the natural... It's, it seems like it's apple spice. Because malic, yeah. malic acid is what makes things sour. Oh, this says, our cider makers have developed a seasonal cider with pumpkin and allspice for the fall. The cider is crisp with subtle aromas of pumpkin, ideal for Halloween and Thanksgiving, which is traditionally cider time. So, so I think it does have pumpkin in it. It's probably one part of those natural things. Flavors, yeah. But it's more, it seems like it's more about the smell than the actual taste. So, Kevin, what made you happy this week? So, uh, once again, I think I've done this uh, a few times now. I played a video game that made me very happy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, some, sometimes I use uh, this section to, like, put spotlights on things that I think should get more spotlight on. Though I do think a lot of people played this game. It's called Control. It's really, really good. Oh, you were talking about that yesterday. I was talking about it yesterday. Because, yeah. like, so, man, uh, if you ever heard, like, the SCP Foundation, like, stories online it's mm -hmm. somewhat like that uh the gameplay's super fun which is helpful <laughs> in liking <laughs> the game uh it's a lot of like psychic stuff uh as you unlock like psychic abilities it's super cool they're paced out really well but more than that the story is so cool to like absorb and it's another one another one where the story works so well because it's a video game medium because you're essentially are going are progressing through it in this way this certain certain fashion yeah and i pretty much just played it for like three days straight <laughs> just to like get through all of it and so the basic premise is that uh you are some you are uh, you're, you're jesse faden she arrives at uh the federal bureau of control okay which is a mysterious building that when you first see from the outside it just goes up into like space and then, like, I mean, like, black. Like, you can't yeah. see where it goes to. But she's in New York. And as, as like, she goes through, this place seems empty. You don't really know what this place is. 
Um, and the entire thing is her exploring through this very strange bureau where, like, reality is shifting and, like, space. Like, at one point you go forward and then I noticed that there was a room you couldn't get into. So I tried to go back and then I couldn't go back but I went forward. I went back to where I was but out of a different way and there was a new entrance there. So it's a really cool and interesting story. There's not only stories do I, that I enjoy, like, absorbing. is stories I enjoy writing mm-hmm. where, like... It is a like very weird things are happening, but everyone treats it as like super normal. Normal, it's a part of their it's world. Part, yeah, it's a part of the thing that they're that they're dealing with. Um, and like even as things get ex- like get explained, they don't stop being mysterious, which is weird to say. Like I felt at the end that I understood the concept, and just because I didn't understand the technicalities, did mm-hmm. not make it any less interesting. Right. So. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about it because honestly, the story is one of the best the best parts of it. They have two DLCs planned, which I'm sure I will say maybe buy there's other as, places to explore. Yeah, but yeah. as soon as they come out, but like I I did that game, play play the game, got all the trophies just because it was so so fun. So I'm excited for those uh, to come out, and you know it was, a, it was really cool. So yeah, it's called Control. It's by Remedy. They made like the Alan Wake game, things like that. So if 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 anyone out there is looking for a game to play, Control is really good a narratively narratively driven game yeah well and it's narratively driven without it being like the telltale games where mm. you're like you know you're watching long cut scenes and yeah things like, and not playing and not playing like, like you are playing that game to learn about it the um uh what do you call it the, the it made me want to go and find like the logs to pick up and things like that that's cool it was good really good control so back at the school there's going to be an evening seminar. Is, did you feel like when 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 Sam Witwer, um, you know, you know, Avicii came in, um, and was like, "Oh, there's not going to be a seminar tonight." Like something was going on, but I think that's just him as a human. Yeah, being. that's just how he talks. So he so, came, he comes in weirdly sad. And there's not going to be a seminar because the kids have a project to work on tonight. Yeah. So he hands out like. Essentially, let's say if it's a 10 page thing, the first eight pages of a mystery. Mm-hmm. And what he wants is for all of the members of the class to write the ending. Which is a really cool writing assignment. Now, for reasons unknown, Don is like, what's the point of this assignment? <laughs> and, and he's like, to prove that a story does not have to have just one ending. However, you will all vote on which one is the best. So, <laughs> so you, what, what you're saying is that there is a correct ending. There's it's the one that the students decide is good. Altogether. And if you voted for not the correct ending, well, you're wrong. Like, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of crossing. <laughs> Smack your mic. Yep. We're going to ignore, ignore that. There's a lot of crossing of wires. It's an odd turn, and it's... It's very contrived. Mm, indeed. Indeed. But first, Monroe needs Archie to come on in and help him beat up uh, the leader of the arcade gang who is named the Dodger. Yes, you see, he collects young kids to do his crimes for him. Which is not how Oliver Twist works. Yeah, this this is clearly not a Dodger who is artful. This is a non-artful Dodger of sorts. TV show, Riverdale... (laughs) The artful Dodger is another child, and Fagin is the one who collects the children. Yeah. So this man has picked the wrong <laughs> this, nickname. This man is Fagin. 
do that, not want to say Fagin because it sounds funny when you say it. It does. It it's true. It, it it is it is a name that now maybe in you know 2019 that maybe you don't want to call uh, call the you know the name, but not because it's a bad name. Like you don't have a character's name as Fagin, but like. Maybe they just didn't want to put it on TV. <laughs> Dodger is certainly more threatening sounding. That, or, which I more believe, is they don't know Oliver Twist. <laughs> one of us may be right, and the one of us who is right is probably not Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's no way to know. Anyway, Monroe is especially upset because his brother got beat up, beat up by Dodger's group. But Archie would prefer to call the cops. For the first time ever. <laughs> I had this crazy idea. I don't know why no one has ever done it, but what if we just call the police who is my best friend's dad? What if adults deal with this problem instead of teens and a man boy? <laughs> yes. What if an adult did it? Hmm. All right. Uh, I guess we go over to where Betty is hanging out, with, uh, hanging out, <laughs> talking with Polly. And Polly tells Betty that there is no stopping Edgar. You have to give him everything he wants, or he's going to start making sacrifices. Human sacrifices. So Betty, uh, I guess, l- deciding not to trust the FBI. Because they already said no. And because this is a TV show where you are a youth and they are an adult, which means they are inherently untrustworthy. Betty goes to Veronica to ask for money. And it is implied half explains what's going on. Yeah, so I guess they're just going to sell those Glamourge eggs. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, she that's not the only thing she needs, of course. She still needs... Uh, those passports. Those passports. Who are they, how, who's she getting these passports from? Tony? Tony? Apparently can get her... Tony's can like, get her hundreds <laughs> of blank passports? The, I will say this farm, like the size of this farm rapidly changes depending on the scene, I believe. Because it does turn out that they can all fit on a single school bus which Betty steals from the school. Yes, the last thing she needs to do is steal a bus, which she does by first checking to see if the principal's there, because apparently he is the one... (laughs) She was not looking for Mr. Honey, she was looking for Mr. Fitz or something like that. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you're right. So I think she was looking for the school bus driver. And then when he... No, what he is, he's the man who guards the school buses at night. And he has gone home. (laughs) He sits by the school buses on, like, a rocking chair with a shotgun. He's just like, don't touch my school buses. But, uh, he's not there. He gave up his rocking chair post. (laughs) He put his dog on there, and that dog, unfortunately, loves Betty. And allows Betty to steal a bus. Yeah, I do like how they skipped over the entire scene, because there's no logical way to make it as how she's able to steal a bus. Buses, not normally kept at schools, by the way. Nope. It's like a depot. Because the buses need to take the kids away from the school. <laughs> Whatever. She drives that bus to the farm. Yes, the the, the compound, which has, like, World War II era, <laughs> like, re, like, blockers for, car, like, cars yeah. like if you, if you if you've ever played let's say a call of duty game like the one that was back in the world war one world war two like storming the beaches of normandy yeah like you would wrap barbed wire around them i do not know where the farm got these blockers and they're, they're like crosses yeah the ones yeah. that kind of look like giant caltrops essentially or no jacks not yes, caltrops jacks. jacks i we both demonstrated what crosses look like audio medium <laughs> <laughs> why can't you see us uh, so she pulls on up, and Chad, Michael, Murray, I mean, Edgar comes down, and he is very drunk and or high. <laughs> he, the, these last, oh, four, four months? months? Uh, three. Because this is still, this has to still be September, 
and they everything June, July, uh, August. Yep. Three months. These three months have not been well to good old Edgar ever never. He now does not wear white. He now wears an unbuttoned Hawaiian shirt and he has a beard. I think he do, do it he for, always have the beard? For the life of me, I cannot tell you. I had the exact same thought where I'm like, oh, he has a... I don't know if he just overall gotten more scruffier, so the beard seems more... Stands out more? But I think he had a beard all along. Audience, we're not going to go watch season three. Please tell us. Did Chet and Michael Murray have a bur- beard? <laughs> did he have a bird? He did it's, not look, have a bird. Look, did Chet... <laughs> can you imagine if we went back and watched <laughs> season three and there's a bird there the entire time and we're like, how did this reach our brain? How did we know there was a bird there? <laughs> we willed the bird into being. <laughs> the did not exist before and now it does. Oh, so he's very drunk, but in his drunkenness, he distracts Betty. <laughs> so Evelyn he... can full stop knock her out. <laughs> To be fair, you're right, Kevin. I don't know if he's drunk. I'm pretty sure he's drunk. I think you're, I know, you know what? I didn't believe you before. I do now. I do think he, the more I think about it, I think he was swaggering out with like a Budweiser head, just like, hey, Betty, I'm in charge of a cult. Their future is nigh, Betty. Did you know that I made my wife pretend to be a teenager? <laughs> I forgot about that. She's his daughter wife. Never forget. She, she's not his daughter. He, she is his wife. He, she has pretending to be a teenager for 10 years. And she uh, knocks Betty out real hard. Now let's head over to uh, uh, <laughs> school. Yep. And at the school, all of the kids are hanging out in a classroom working on their assignment. I think. No, I it's think the it's the library, I think right? it's still the, this is still the same room. They just moved the desks back to the middle. Well, because you have to write at a desk. You can't just write sitting on chairs. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And their writing, Jughead, is doing okay. Brent does not like his writing and balls up a piece of paper and throws it at Jughead. It continues along the idea that, like, I don't... The only reason I can think of why Brent has decided now to completely target and hate Jughead is because he gave him mild criticism on his on his book after he said, Come on, like, give me the criticism. I can take it. I don't Absolutely know, man. not. I don't know, man. I didn't like it that much. How dare you? <laughs> So I have a question. Yeah. How does he know all these details about Jughead's past and family? I Were they all in the short story? I do not. I, uh, I, know I said diplomat. I thought it was going to be revealed that he was, he's Brent Dooley. Oh. Like he's Governor Dooley's kid. But they do say diplomat, which That's is true. not. Which is not they would the say, same as a governor. They would say governor. So I, I, I know. I think, I think he just, I mean, all this stuff is also public knowledge. Also, Except for the fact that they know nothing about Marmaduke. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where Stonewall is. Also, there's, there's. It's maybe Brent knew about it all along, and maybe just, Jughead just told him all of this information when they were doing the tour. I mean, I. Well, I think really what it is that like Jughead came in with like his dad and his sister and that, and I think Moose just sort of or Marmaduke just sort of came in and was like, "Hey, I'm Marmaduke," and so he was like, "I don't care." That's true. But Jughead criticized his short story mildly. Well, don't worry. Brent tries to call Jughead an urchin and jellybean a hooligan. And Jughead snaps right back with... How, how dare you come out with that 1800s slang? And he's like, hey, hey, at least I have friends. And <laughs> Brent <laughs> is shooken to his core by it, that statement. It devastates Brent. <laughs> he, like, looks over at not Donna, the other, the other woman in the group. Um, and he and, is destroyed. She, she effectively just like gives him like a, we're not your friends, Brent. <laughs> and he's like, what? My rude actions have offended people? Have we talked about the fact that this 
this group of like like these kids are, are the Power Rangers. Like with oh yeah, like because you because you, you have you have Trini. <laughs> that's the girl who tells Brent they're not friends the with girl. her eyes. Yes, yes, because she is Asian, some, yep. some form of East Asian. And you have Zach, yep. who is their wise black boy with glasses. Yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you have Brent, the blonde. Brent, the, who's the rich kid. Yep. Jughead is the rough around the edges one. And then Tommy. Donna. And Donna is Kimberly, Donna's I guess. Kimberly. Like, <laughs> I wrote it down at this point, and I can't believe I forgot about it for the entire like uh, episode before this. They, they are the power... Like, that's the Power Rangers. <laughs> it's just the Power Rangers. You just made the Power Rangers. And Sam Witwer is Z- Xenon? Yeah. Z- Zero. Xenon. Z- <laughs> Big floating head. Brian, <laughs> the guy <laughs> from Breaking Bad. Now, um, TV show, please give Trini and Zach names. Because we cannot call them that. No, no, we cannot call these Power Rangers by the Power Rangers. We could call her the Yellow Ranger. That's true. Until she has her own characteristics. Yeah, no, she's and, just ye- the Yellow Ranger. Yeah, then there was the Blue Ranger. No. Oh, he's the Black Ranger, he isn't he? Ranger. He was the Black Ranger. Yeah. <sighs> Power right. Rangers. Right, right, right. All right. Here's a scene that we thought was a dream sequence. <laughs> because Veronica arrives... Into her apartment. And she hears a noise. Smithers? Is that you, Smithers? No. Inside Hiram's study, it is Hiram. And he's just wearing normal clothes. He explains that he can come and go from the prison as he pleases because he owns it. Which we knew. And what? which is still insane that he... I... There has someone, to be a law against that. Yeah, she needs to tell someone. <laughs> like, he does not own... The entire country. You know the FBI is in your town. They already know about your crime family. And he was arrested by the FBI. There's, there won't be more repercussions if you're just like, hey, my dad can just leave the prison he owns. Not great. But, of course, Veronica, does, Veronica, Veronica ain't no snitch, I guess. I Except guess. for when she is a snitch. But not right now. But not right now. Because the point of this scene is not about her snitchiness. It's about the fact that Hiram sees her change of name form and he wants to monologue about how he also changed his name. He was he was a boy named Jaime Luna. But of course And it was hard to be a Luna because hooligans and people judged him based on his father. Now, Aaron, I have a question for you. Yep. Last season in when the, we flashback, did the flashback, his name was Hiram Lodge. And he was the rich kid that No, he was the kid who always had a scam. Right. So he, he, right. So, so, of he course, had the money. Of course. First season, where he was the rich kid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this Correct. third season. How is that flashback episode still ruining the continuity even after it's done? Even though they can write new continuity now, they're <laughs> they, not sticking to what they're they're not, the What? You did that last season. Why is it still screwing things up? Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> uh. So, well, he was a criminal. He gave Hermione pearls. I remember this. Yeah, but like, but then this whole thing where he was like, "Ah, oh, no one liked me because I was, I was everyone because I was, you know, the Luna kid." But then the, I recreated myself as Hiram Lodge, I, and then I had power when, when I was when I was seventeen or sixteen. That's when I did that. My father was so mad, and now I understand why my father was mad. For I am mad at you. <laughs> so don't change your name. Bye. Back to prison I go. Are we gonna live in here where um Archie is uh, you know he, he he's gonna save Riverdale and his yes. mom wants to go to Chicago and then we have an insane reveal 
which is that he has had a college fund all along. <laughs> we didn't tell you. I didn't tell you because I thought that you would. But wasn't that the entire crux of like... Oh. Like, I thought he always needed a scholarship. Yeah, I thought Luke, Luke Perry was like, that was just like, you gotta do this as a scholarship. Maybe they're just trying to teach him responsibility. I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And the, then Molly Ringwald Andrews became afraid he was going to spend his college fund on the community center. Which is fair. Though, to be fair as well, he doesn't. It's not a thought in his head. No, it never crosses his mind. From this, What does cross his mind, though? Is to rage box and then break out of his house to become a hooded vigilante. He grabs a bat. He goes to the arcade. <laughs> and he beats up a grown man who is the Dodger. Yeah, Dodger is a full-grown adult. He is a tall boy, or a soft boy, whatever name we called him. <laughs> I can't remember which is his real or fake name anymore. And uh, we find out that Archie brought a bat to a numbers fight, but we will find out soon. I so don't I'm going to spoil it now. He wins. He wins. They didn't have a gun. I thought they would have a gun. Meanwhile... Veronica brings Molly Ringwald Andrews $40,000 to give to Archie because Archie will not accept that money from Veronica. And Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, Archie really needs to leave Riverdale. (laughs) And he can't be in debt to you. And Veronica's like, he must be, for he inspires me to be better. When? When, Veronica? When? (laughs) Nothing inspires you to be better. Cheryl is upset because Jason Blossom's corpse may be moved. That's that entire scene. (laughs) Alright, uh, let's let's catch up in the morning where Archie has decided not to go home after, I assume because he's covered in bruises. His mom doesn't seem to care, though. No, but uh, Monroe finds him in his office. Archie explains to Monroe that he's going to be a superhero. Also, he stole just a bag <laughs> full of money from Dodger. Which, uh, Monroe's like, we can't use this. This is clearly, like, dirty money. However, you do know the mafia. So maybe they can clean it. Maybe Veronica, I, will, I think it's mostly that Veronica owns a business, so she can launder money through Pops. Now, never in this episode do they explain exactly what they mean by cleaning money, mostly because I don't think Archie knows what Monroe means by that. Yeah, I think I think Monroe knows me, understands what it means, because he is, once again, a full-grown adult. Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I learned it when I went through high school the first time. In an anticlimactic turn of events, we go to the classroom. Donna wrote the best ending. And Brent and Jughead were tied for the worst endings. Which, I don't know how that voting works out. Because <laughs> there's only six of them? So, I mean, I guess probably Jughead... Assuming you can't vote for yourself. Jughead voted for... Donna. Well, well it doesn't really matter. Jughead voted... I mean, so, no, wait, wait, you're right. It has to matter like this because the only way to make it work. Jughead, Jughead voted, votes for Donna. Donna. Brent votes for Donna because he's not a Jughead. Yeah. I mean, Someone else votes for, for Donna. Donna. And then... Donna votes for, but the other two have to have two votes for them not to also be tied for last. Because essentially Jug and Brent had to have no, no, no votes. So Donna votes for one of the other kids. One of the other kids votes for the one who's not them. And the kid that Donna voted for votes for, votes so, for Donna. So really, no, no. I, so yeah, Jughead and Brent vote for Donna. Donna votes for a kid. Other kid votes for the other kid. Other kid votes for Donna. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. So Donna got three votes. They each the other the, the two kids the the blue each got one. Yeah. The black ranger and the yellow ranger both get one, one vote. One vote. And then Jughead and Brent get no votes. And so I think this is meant to imply that they let their rage distract them from good writing, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Once again, just like Donna was asking at the beginning, I don't know the purpose of this. I don't know why. Um, Betty wakes up, tied to a chair in a hotel room, and Alice is there too. She's been tied up since Edgar found out that she was the mole. However, she does know his entire plan. Yes, turns out the the entire purpose of the farm 
everything the farm was doing is, is so crazy cult stuff. Yes. So uh, uh, Evelyn is going to take the bus full of farmies, tie Betty and Alice to the front of it, and drive it off a cliff as a distraction. Well, Edgar dresses up like evil evil and takes off in a rocket that he built in the last three months because cult because the writers don't know what to do with these people anymore and they're done with this story so they're going to literally launch edgar into space sidebar darius asks for some money because there are rats and moles everywhere in this house. And Cheryl's like, there are no, there's never been a rat in this creepy Victorian house. You're clearly lying to me for money, for reasons unknown. Also, you went in the basement? He's like, yeah. Did you go to the chapel? No. Then he's fired. Then he's fired. And it cuts to Tony, like, rolling her eyes, like, oh, Cheryl. I'm like, Tony, clearly there's something going on in the chapel. You're, you used, you apparently can get fake, like, hundreds of fake passports. You used to be, like, so, like, like doing stuff. Now you, now you're clearly, something's going on here. And you're just like, oh, Cheryl. Tony, you need to be concerned about the well-being of the elderly lady who lives in this house and the two toddlers. Not your girlfriend. <sighs> Meanwhile... Evelyn comes in to get Betty and Alice to tie them to the front of the bus. But they very easily broke out. And they hid in a closet and then smacked her over the head. And Betty steals her clothes. So that people won't recognize her as an outsider. (laughs) Sure. They also steal her gun. They know who Betty is. She was in the cult for a while. Like, she was the most, she was one of the most famous people in the cult because they chased her out like zombies. But, you know, now that she's wearing Evelyn's clothes, she's back in. <laughs> and also, they also know who Alice is. Clearly, they know she was the mole. You know what? Edgar's been very drunk for three months. <laughs> ah, I don't know what's going <laughs> Because that- we see Weatherby later, and Weatherby doesn't know that Alice is the mole. I guess not. He just knows he has his finger cut off. All right, Al- uh, Veronica's plan is actually not to launder the money. It's to burn the money and take her money. And Archie <laughs> essentially... Just gives up. He's like, oh, whatever. This, it's, He's this, like, I just want money. We are running out of time. So, yeah, sure. I'll just take your money and I guess burn this money. Betty loads the farmies onto the bus. Alice sees Edgar standing staircase. <laughs> there's like a hardcore 70s zoom in and he's like wearing a bomber jacket with like a, with the evil Knievel suit underneath. And I swear this may just be me misremembering once again. He had to have aviators on, right? I'm going to say even if he wasn't. Yeah, maybe, it, maybe like on his. Or in maybe in his spirit. Yeah. In his heart, there are aviators. In his heart and soul, there are aviators. And Alice is like, <gasps> aviators, and goes running off after him. <laughs> sure. sure. Then Betty leaves all these farmies. Under the responsibility of Principal Weatherby, who once he had his finger cut off, realized <laughs> that being in a cult is bad. <laughs> I like how he's... He says a line which I asked last year, which is, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> like, I don't know how either, Mr. Weatherby. You seem like the least likely person to be in this cult. You had a, f- like... You protected your school <laughs> with a baseball bat during a riot. Like, I don't know why. It seems like you just went to this cult, so it would be a fun twist when someone came to you for help. Hmm. hmm. 
So anyway, Betty leaves him in charge of driving that bus away to safety, and she runs after her mom, and she calls Charles, and Charles is like, hey, a whole, like, SWAT team is coming because the governor decided to get involved. Governor decided we're going to send SWAT in to protect all those people. And Betty's like, no, keep them away. There are children who must be protected. <laughs> there's uh, there's a bus full of farmies heading out, including women or children, women and children. Go on, Charles, be like, I mean, that was understandable. Also, children? I guess fangs. No, there, there were small children. We saw them. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess this, this farm is terrible. Um, so while this is going on, Edgar Evnever monologues at Alice. We can't skip with the fact that there is a real rocket, like it, like a evil Knievel rocket. Like, Yeah, like, it's not going anywhere, but it exists. It's slanted, and he's like on a launch pad trying to get into it. And he monologues about the prophet Elijah and blah, blah, who, blah. Who rode upon something afire. And, and then he has a gun, and Alice has a gun, and we cut to Betty, who's in the stairwell. Then, he, then Edgar draws the gun. And, and we hear some shots, and oh my god, who did the shots? It was Alice. It was Alice. Al- Alice shot Edgar. Him dead. Yeah. So, and she, and I think she, like, says, like, and now Edgar is out of the series. <laughs> Until we want him back. <laughs> Until, uh, turns out, she didn't shoot him. She shot him, you know, flesh wound. Arm shot. <laughs> now, Aaron, we did see his body. This is true. <laughs> but. But anything could happen. This is Riverdale. <laughs> So, uh, there's a cute little scene where Monroe is busy teaching some kids how to do some boxing. He teaches them high jab and low jab. Yes. And, uh, Molly Ringwald Andrews walks in. She sees him doing that, and her heart grows three sizes, because Monroe hanging out with kids is cute. Yes. Um, and... She also has a suitcase. Yes. This is important. (laughs) So she talks to Archie. Oh, we missed the scene where she talked about how Riverdale was like a dead town that was full of crime and she couldn't get a job right, there. Right, yeah. When 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 Archie was doing his whole thing, we're like, I'm going to save this, I'm going to save this town. Molly Ringwald's uh, Andrew's side of it was that like, no, this is a dead dead town full of crime and drugs. And I'm like, I mean, now I, yeah. 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 And you know what? She didn't say that three years ago. Three years ago, all she said was I couldn't get a lawyer job in Riverdale. Which is fair. because is Because there were two lawyers. There was one who would soon become mayor, and there was the one who all the serpents went to. Yeah, so there was no room for her. Yeah. And then while she was away, it became a crime town, which is true. <laughs> in the last, like, two years. Yeah. But you know what? She no longer wants to leave. Her heart has grown so many sizes that she's now going to just do pro bono law work for free that's what pro bono means yes in riverdale she has also uh, already filed the form so that arch so that this community center can be non-profit which i assumed was the case i don't think archie realized he had to do forms <laughs> so she's not telling him she he made it a non-profit she's explaining that she because she's like so you can get grants and take donations and i'm like Oh, so Archie just didn't realize that was a choice. So I think what she's actually doing by staying in Riverdale, I think she's going to run the community center. I think she's center running the community center. Because she can't trust a 17-year-old to do it. He didn't even realize that the community center should be nonprofit. The community centers work best when they're nonprofit, or else they become profit centers, and that doesn't work for charity. But you know what? That's good, because Archie needs to stay in Riverdale, and some oh, kids on the show need parents. Oh, also, she canceled her flight. So she canceled her flight after she saw Monroe. 
Yeah, all I can think is like, wait, were you were you just gonna take Archie with you anyways? I guess, or because or if, she was going back to work for a while, and, and Archie was just gonna. I guess Monroe could take care of him. Monroe is an adult. Is an adult. Monroe's now your dad. And I mean, Archie does at least live right next door to the Joneses, and we know that house has multiple rooms. That's true. Uh, we have a we have a, a fairly important but a quick scene here where Cheryl goes down to hang out with Jason, and a rat. Climbs out of his stomach. Hey, did not Thistle Spring does have rats, and her scream is apparently that that is the thing that will cause Tony to come downstairs. I really wish they would have at least had given Cho- Tony the chance to like investigate, so she actually could do something mm-hmm. rather than being caught. Con- Passively involved in the storyline. Because she used to be, like, real cool. She and Jughead were detectives in season two. Yeah, like, she had motivations and doing things, and now she's dating Cheryl and has just grown complacent in the lap of luxury? She lives in a house that doesn't have electricity after nighttime because they still have wartime measures on, so... Yeah, I cannot describe what state that family is in without huge question marks. And maybe in a tarot bag. <laughs> So she comes downstairs, and Tony or Cheryl has laid out Jason's body and is going to sew up his stomach with red thread. And that's where we'll leave that, I guess. Well, something horrible has happened. Yes, yeah, it's a Stonewall. Someone at Stonewall has found the most convenient issue of the Riverdale newspaper, which was yep. called the Lodge something or other at the time. Lodge Ledger. Now. Let's keep in mind, the real Black Hood, or the real Gargoyle King, was revealed. So this poster, which is a photocopy of the newspaper that is put up, could easily be disputed. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that right now. What we are going to talk about is the fact that someone put up a photocopy of the newspaper all over the school with, did you know, that explains that Moose's dad was the Gargoyle King. Nope. And that his name is Moose. (laughs) And maybe that he might be gay? Unclear. But I don't know if that's actually a problem at Stonewall. Yeah. I know that he is, you know, he's he's making sweet kisses at uh, At Donna. But he can just explain, no, no. But he openly says with the door open, like, oh, no, I'm into both. And he says confidently. Yeah, confidently. So it's not a secret. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that is the thing. Now, this is probably not as serious as the show wants us to think right now because the show loves to go back on sweeping statements. I want... But right now, yeah. Marmaduke is very, very sad because he did not get his new start. Yeah. And I wonder if they we're going to get the next episode and he's going to leave the again. Is he going to – are we going to get a Jimmy here where he keeps coming back to the series just to get, like, crapped on again? And then eventually he starts directing episodes. If well, I were Jughead, I would go and put new signs. They're like, <laughs> no, turns out the Gargoyle King is actually Penelope Blossom. No, the Gargoyle King was chick. True. She was just the string puller. Yes. I mean, I think she called herself the Gargoyle King, but, like, the Gargoyle King was chick. Yes. And also Tallboy. I think he was an official Gargoyle King. Yes, because he worked for the Gargoyle King and something, something. I think he was an official Gargoyle King. I think his dad was a fake Gargoyle King. I think you're right. Anyway, Jughead rants about all of this to Betty. He says this was Brent. Brent is the worst. He's so bad. But what's been going on with you this episode? Well, turns out, Al- turns out wrapping up this whole farm thing, Alice is... Already? Going- yep, she's writing an expose because I guess she does work for that paper. <laughs> and Polly is in treatment, good treatment, outside of Riverdale. Like she needs, good, good. And then Jughead says, Betty, do you think we can trust Charles? Which is a weird question. Does he ask Yes. That? Oh, God, I missed that. It's a horrifying 
<laughs> randomly. Tiny line. Randomly. Hey, can we trust this FBI agent who <laughs> is your half brother and helped you save your mom? And she's like, oh, I don't know, but I'm glad it's over. Doorbell. Oh, no. <gasps> they walk over and they open up the door and, of course, there's no one there. It's just a plastic bag. And in it is a VHS tape that I assume has written on it. It's not just a thing that Jughead <laughs> just said. Famous last words. Cut. I have a question. Yeah. Where do Betty and Alice live? <sighs> I'm assuming at the Jones house. Yeah, because I guess she and FP can get back together now. <laughs> and Or, or, they don't live anywhere. This is like two hours later. I'm just saying that this is a very, this is a very un- on, like like they 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 said it was like oh my god what's on the tape but like that's not really an interesting ending I'm just like yeah what's on the tape what is on the tape though yeah like it's it, it's weird cause it's really weird because it sets up a question but I'm not interested like it didn't make me be like oh man can't wait to see the next episode I'm just like yeah the next episode they're gonna watch the tape and the problem is the show has done a bad job because I actually have no idea what yeah. could be on the tape. To, it, yeah, it's it. The question has no an, like it's it's not like a like oh we got to figure out what's going on. Is it this or is it this or is it this? It's just like a yeah no that that is a question I am wondering what is, like it'd be more interesting if we actually saw what's on the tape or even their reaction to what's on the tape. Something that like gives us an indication of do you know what's on the tape, Aaron? It's it's Archie and uh, Veronica kissing. You know what's on the tape? <laughs> it's Betty talking on her cell phone to Edgar. It's probably being filmed from that classroom. Yeah. So, Aaron, yes, Kevin. fill this episode. Did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic was filmed through a classroom door and it was revealed that logic was truly drama? Boy, you're really stuck on that. Uh, there's so many things in this episode. I could only think of the last thing we talked about. All right. Choose a moment. <laughs> when Betty had to defuse the bomb. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. I, can, I can try to headcanon it by being like, oh, well, maybe Betty had to do it because Polly trusted her. But Polly seemed to have no interest in well, and, taking her finger off the Yeah, and, and like that didn't seem – it wasn't made clear in the scene. Like, I, 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 I can guess it, but, but like, that doesn't he, mean I'm right. He's explaining to Betty how to defuse a bomb, and he's standing right next to her. He could easily do it himself. And, like, Polly doesn't seem to be shying away from – and there's also other FBI yeah. agents in the room. None of them are just like, hey, maybe the 17-year-old – Who's never done this before and has no training. Yeah, like, even if it's – if, like, maybe this is the setup that Charles might be a, like, not a good – Good guy. But the other Cause, FBI cause, cause agents you, also you think, there. You think he'd be like, no, Betty, i got to protect my little – but apparently she's an FBI agent now. And he does t- try to protect her when he's like, we have to give up on this. He tells her to run. Yeah, but like, yeah, it makes no sense why Betty. It makes no no. Uh, you you know my upset. How upset I get with things where it's like, why are teens doing things that adults certain like should do? Literally, the adult is standing right there telling her what to do, and there's no reason he, why the adult cannot he do it. Hands her the scissors and says, "Cut those wires." Also, he hands her pure metal scissors, which will definitely electrocute her to cut <laughs> wires. Like they're just metal all the way through. But yet it doesn't electrocute her. Yeah, I get. Well, I mean, she she cut the trip wire. That's true. Also, it's not, not a huge charge through those, I guess. But still, Kevin, did you come up with a CW moment? Yeah, mine's also a Betty moment. My thing is like, so early when when Edgar calls Betty and it's like, "I'm holding your mom hostage. Here's what I want." That's all a trick to get Betty there. 
Yes. Why does he make all the things so unachievable for your average, like, high school girl? It's because no one under- underestimates <laughs> Buddy Cooper. Like, I feel like he, like if you really wanted her there, he should have just sent the money. That's why I'm sure that bomb was fake. Because he, wa- he wanted Betty he, there. Very clearly he wants Betty there. Why is he obsessed with Betty? Unclear. Why was he sure Betty could disarm a bomb? Unclear. I'm assuming he thought the FBI would disarm the bomb. But, like, why is he so obsessed with Betty? Like, like the only thing I can imagine is that the bomb would have hit to zero and nothing would have happened. They would have, they would have been like, oh, man, he did, Edgar did this to trick us. But instead, they actually diffused it? Maybe. Maybe. Although nothing they did would have stopped the countdown, so... Even I, even when it cool, there was a scene late, like in the scene where she's talking to Polly, where Charles was just like, "Yeah, the bomb. It actually wasn't a real bomb. I think he's just trying to scare us." And then maybe could be like, "Oh, I'm even madder at him now. I have to go to there." But it's so weird that, that like, yeah, he sets up an impossible task for a teenage girl, and then she achieves and then, it. And then he's like, "Yes, what I planned all along." <laughs> it's also odd that all of our villains are obsessed with Betty. I know one of them was her dad. Do do what I super dislike the, the this cult thing which they set up from last season with like all this mysterious stuff and like oh they also are selling kidneys and all these things like they did so many twists with this cult and then when it get, reaches the end he's just like s- crazier than we even imagined. Well, Kevin, he was selling the kidneys so that he could pay for the jet. I know, but but like it still feels disappointing. It's a bit of a cop out. Like, like in the end. It would have he been... was just a call. It was just it was it was he was just a guy who wanted to build a rocket and have all those people drive off a cliff. And I would have liked it more if they were all going to drink some Kool Aid. Even that I would have enjoyed more because it's a little bit referential and it's a little bit more like like down to earth. I guess first be like, yeah, he wants to ride a rocket because he never seemed that crazy. Well, and because the the idea with all those ones is when the whenever the cult of mass suicides is not that they want to kill a bunch of people, it's that they believe it is a way for them to transcend or they all panic because their cult's oh, going to be Yeah, but in this yeah. case his end plan is to drive a bunch of people off of a cliff and launch himself like somewhere thinking that that will be an ascension. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't, they're not even apocalyptic. Like if they're apocalyptic, I would also be more fine. But they're just—it's an ascension for him only. Yeah, which sucks. It's just—it's a boring end to like a storyline that was actually pretty. Like the cult storyline was actually pretty interesting. We said that the entire last season. Mm-hmm. We we were up, we were upset it wasn't related to G and G, and now now it's just sort of done. And also now, what is happening this season? Because all I really know about is Archie's making a community center. Yeah, she sort of went out with a whisper. Rather than a, a rocket to the stars. Rather than a literal bang. Yes. Well, that is Riverdale for this week. And it was one of the weirdest episodes we had. It's it, that, that, that zoom in on Edgar. Jeez. And we can't talk about it more because we've talked a lot. But please talk to us about it on social media because we want to talk about it more. Yeah. So this... that's all podcast MOA, podcast MOA. Give us your emails. What do you think is going to happen this season? Podcastmoa at gmail.com. What do you think is on the VHS? I promise you, anything you guess could be likely because they have they gave no setup for it. Could be anything. Could be anything. Unless if it is that view of her talking, though she says nothing incriminating in that footage. It's not very interesting. So it's just going to be like, oh, someone was watching you. I al- Someone's always watching someone. True. I mean, get, don't get me wrong. It is creepy, but... 
Well, you can get us on, uh, uh, I guess, social medias. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Give us a rating or view on uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm doing Podcast. this out of order just because, like, I, I know, I'm weirdly disappointed. Because I already did the social media thing. <laughs> I know. I'm just weirdly disappointed. Um, send us an email. Aaron already said that as well. Um, <laughs> what else did you, have you already said? Uh, you know what? what was, just... was someone watching watching Betty? I don't know. Just do some questions now. What is this season about? Tell you what, just go to the beginning of this episode again. Just listen to it again. What's on the VHS? Um, I mean, yeah. 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 There's like, there's like things, but nothing really like big. Hmm. Well, for answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>